A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. Thank you for your patronage and enjoy the show. Well, here we are again, A is for Alcoholic movie review. Um, we'll be doing uh, this this movie review is, well, first, I thank you all for joining us and uh, hope everyone's well. Um so nothing like reviewing a horror movie in the middle of a fucking pandemic. But... 1987 movie Chouts playing. <laughs> Chucky was so an we... alcoholic. Uh, he probably was, wasn't he? He was a rageaholic, um, dude. He had a lot of issues, that Chucky. So we are going to do, and here's the other thing is, so we're going to be hosts or guests on another podcast called VH Us revolving around this movie and alcoholism. So go check out VHUS, US, VHUS. Um, Dirk Marshall is the host of that, and he's going to have us on shortly. But we wanted to do our movie review first of Dr. Sleep, Director's Cut. Um, this is a sort of a sequel or an addition to The Shining. Kind of, yeah. Kind of. You know what's kid. funny is I was like, man, I got to get this Director's Cut. So I got the Director's Cut. And uh, looked at the runtime and it was like three hours. And I was like, fuck, I remember the other version I have is also three hours. And it turns out I had the exact same. I ended up downloading the exact same version twice. So I had already watched the director's cut previously. Oh, well, and well, I didn't, but I that's didn't okay. find it. I didn't I didn't feel like it was that different. I mean, I guess there was just more in there. It wasn't like I was wowed by anything new that I that I could remember. But Did you watch the theatrical cut? I watched it in the movie theater. Yeah. Oh, all right. So then they left out a. Apparently, they left. It was like thirty additional mm. minutes they had cut out of the director's cut. Oh. Okay. But I didn't see the theatrical version, so oh. I don't know what. I mean, I got the full experience. You, you missed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got the full Monty. So this. So this 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 movie, just a quick synopsis, is basically the little kid Danny Torrance from The Shining, and he grows up, and he is an orderly, and he um, he's plagued by the demons from the Overlook. He has been all his life, right? Um, and he is an orderly in a hospice, and he gets a job there through you know, and he's an alcoholic. That's that that's the reason that we're even talking about this movie today. And so he's a raging alcoholic, and deals with a bunch of shit and has to go back to the overlook to kind of face his demons both literally and figuratively i guess but we'll get into that Mm -hmm. um so uh, i always like to we like to do these movie reviews through the lens of the alcoholism and i think sometimes i watch these things and i'm i read more into it than um than is probably there, even even though Stephen King is a recovering alcoholic as well. But the mm-hmm. first thing I noticed was that she was the woman was singing Rose the Hat was singing Wild Irish Rose, which is also oh. a cheap ass bottle of fucking Seven Eleven wine. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. I did not pick up on that. No, there's a lot of shit in here. I don't know. I imagine him and the director had some talks. I don't know about what the directors and the screenwriters. Right association with alcoholism is i but there are there's mm-hmm. i don't know i thought it was pretty fairly accurate portrayal as far as of alcoholism uh, and we'll get into it, of alcoholism but also the family dynamic and how the uh, the generational alcoholism you know like like that it it trickles down or that it um or, 
mm-hmm. that it's not only not only hereditary in some senses, but the effects of alcoholic parents play right. into right. And and we'll get into the meat of it, okay. but I, I I really feel yeah I, I I liked it. I mean I rewatched it again last night, and it's very long. But that's all right. The first time I watched it, I was enthralled. The second time, I'm like, you know, get to the point. But right. not a lot. It wasn't like I was upset watching it. I just there were times where I was like, in my making notes on my phone and like I kind of drift up Instagram. Wait, Jerry, you need to fucking pay attention to this. Right. But my note very long. I have lots of notes. Me too. I, mean, I got like yeah, eight or nine scrolls worth of notes. Well, I don't think this is. This I don't plan on this this review taking us um, three, three hours. Three hours. Let's do the three hours shining review. Let's. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, no. Um. So, the it Wild Irish synops- Rose the synopsis. Yeah. I mean, so it starts off with Rose the Hat, who we we don't know who she is, but she's this this woman who's at a campsite and she is um, she's she's like hanging out in the woods and this little girl goes off and she's right. obvi- she's obviously something fucking evil and shady you can tell by her behavior and manner funny you use that word shady because it's in my notes it's so funny it's all uh it, it, it says uh it's 1980 and rose the hat and her mm-hmm. crew snatch a little girl and rose and her shady ass friends eat the little girl <laughs> Basically, because yeah. they like come out of the trees and she's like, don't sweat it. Those are my friends. And either the little girl's like, mm, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, and they're like, well, yeah. And then they eat her. They, the special ones taste the best. Yes. And for those who don't know the basically they're these are these bad people are called the true not. And they go around finding people who kids, children who have the shining, who have this mental ability, who have this. Um, power and it's on that power that they um, that they feed so they feed off of her she's the first one at least that we see I mean apparently we come to find out they've been doing this shit for centuries right would you think that also in a way when King was writing this book he was setting up the true not as uh, people with an addictive behavior as well considering you know what I'm saying time and time again they needed to live and they don't have very much of it left, so they're bargaining it out. They're like doling it out in, mm-hmm. in like almost like in prescription, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. like oh, just a little bit here and a little bit there, and we got to make right. it last, and we got to make it last, it and you know we need it or we're gonna die, you know. Mm-hmm. And we need to like stick together and try and figure this out. But like they're even, you kind of feel the tension between them and how they're not. They they work together because they have to to feed their addiction, but they don't really trust each other. No, they don't. And the whole thing is like their whole goal and purpose to be in a group is to get more shit, is to get more Mm -hmm. steam. That essence Mm -hmm. is essence of these psychic children, you know. Right. And it's pure Um, from the kids, you know. Later on in the movie, she says when you get as become an adult, it becomes, you know, more uh, adulterated, you know. Tainted. Mm -hmm. Tainted, yeah. One of the things, too, and the, 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 the uh, the movie cuts to uh, Danny sitting on the bench with um, Dick Holleran, right. and I realize, and then this again, this is me looking far, maybe a little bit deeper. But Danny Torrance, his initials are DT, as in the DTs, and Word. I don't think, that, yeah, I don't know I, if that's intentional, but yeah, well, let's fuck it though. <laughs> King does that shit though. You know, I also have a little note before Danny's. Uh, 
I, I got to say with this movie, The Shining is like one of my favorite movies. It, uh, hands down. It's one of my favorite books. The King book is real heavy handed. Uh, I think Kubrick did a good job. He did. I think his casting choice of Jack Nicholson wasn't the greatest. He could have picked someone else who was a little more subtle and ramping up that kind of fever pitch in the movie. But mm -hmm. I have to say with this movie, it was fucking gorgeous. Like they nailed the whole Kubrick shit. And then like, so they cut to uh, Danny in the hotel before he goes to Halloran. He's having that bad dream about mm -hmm. that lady. And I, in my notes, I tubbed her, I coined her tub Nana. Cause she's like a Nana in a tub and she gets out all naked. Like, Gross. And you're like, yeah. lock the door, Nana. And she's like, you're not supposed to come in here without knocking. But anyway, so he sees Tub Nana. And then uh, he has that bad dream. And then he goes and he talks to his mom. Or his mom comes and grabs him from the hallway. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you can talk to me. You can tell me whatever's wrong. She's like, you haven't said a word since, you know. And then, like, trails off because it's almost like this trauma they don't speak about with each other. Right. There's a lot of fucking – you can, even in this movie – as a sequel, you can see uh, Wendy as, like, I even wrote in the notes, like, Wendy needs to go to a fucking Al-Anon meeting, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, like this enabling thing that she has, that she does to him, too. They don't address the trauma. And I understand going through PTSD and a trauma. I've, I've, I've been through some mild traumas, nothing, you know, that would warrant a major PTSD. But I understand not speaking of the thing. You know, especially something like your dad went nuts and tried to fucking kill it, kill you. you know? So I, I thought that was really tough. Nana is like she just she just rolls. You don't get she's just a naked lady in a tub falling apart. Yeah, the zombie, and that's you know that's another thing with I think that you know you talk about Wendy needs to go to Al-Anon, but even back then and even now, I, I don't think a lot of people know that's what they're doing intentionally they're like well we're just doing the best we can trying not to fucking talk about this because it's painful and you know what else can i do i don't know what else to do and so it's, it's like not like that. it's her fault yeah. that's all that's all i wanted to point out is that it's not no her absolutely fault, but... it's not her fault it's the easier softer path because of course we're going to take that path of least resistance in all of our repetitive behaviors you know i um a child of you know, an adult child of alcoholics. And I remember the path of least resistance was the one we always took. So we didn't talk about things, you know, we've left kind of some things weren't spoken of because that was that harder path, you know, it's just easier that way. But it's not a negative thing. It's just like you said, it just that is how it is, you know, that is just the behaviors you grow up with the behaviors you learn being in a relationship. It's, it's uh, deep stuff for doctors. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, I like that, um, when Dick and Danny are on the, on the park bench and yeah. he's talking about, you know, you have to deal with these demons or they won't go away. Right. And so right. there's, it's more and more, I look back at the shining and I don't remember when, um, Stephen King quit drinking, like what year, uh -huh. but. There's all this stuff in The Shining about like dealing with demons and this one especially is like it's 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 totally just a story about fucking recovery, right? I mean it both, really is. But I honestly explicitly and implicitly. Yeah, I think he was still drinking when he wrote it, but I think this was his like hesitation. Like him kind of I think I don't I don't know if that's a fact or not, but I'm I, under a strong assumption that he was still drinking. And I, if he was, then I look at it like this is his way of kind of reaching out. Like when you're at a party and you're sober mm -hmm. and you have a friend who drinks or so an acquaintance and they're like, oh, I've thought about it before. You know, like I kind of drink a little too much, you know? And they kind of reach out a little bit, but pull back because they don't want 
to let it go all the way. Right. But yeah, so you got them both on a bench. He's doing the exposition. You're right. It's these, uh, he talks about the duality, how Danny and his father, his father even had a touch of the shining in a way, how they, that, that made him more susceptible to the hotel and the, the, the evilness of the hotel and how there's this duality that they both share. Your father had more dark than light. You have more light than dark, you know, and, Mm-hmm. And uh, I, in my notes, I wrote, this kid needs a drink. <laughs> I've heard this he just, before from people who were like, well, I didn't start drinking in third grade, but I could have I could have used one or something yeah, like that. Dude, I feel like that. I've, I should have that needle pointed on my wall, man. <laughs> um. So, so after they talk, yeah. go ahead. You want to. Well, and then my next note was that Halloran tells them nobody shines like you, like you've got it strong. And mm-hmm. so your abilities, he's basically intimating that his abilities cause these ghosts to manifest themselves in a physical form because they feed off his power so they become real. Before right. to him, they were pictures in a book so he could ignore them. But to Danny, it's so much more intense because he's got, you know, he's like thrumming with power, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we cut to older Danny. We cut to Ewan McGregor waking up. And and so I remember this is sort of the, this is the hangover and sort of remembering piecing together the night before scene. And I remember this being much cat. more vivid in the book reading it was very much, much, sore. So, much mm-hmm. more sickening to me than see, the movie was, they did a really good job with like the color palettes of the yellow and the green in the apartment and right. all the whiskey and cigarettes and stuff like that. He's at the bar and he's drinking and the pool balls are cracking and right. he's just getting fucked up, but it flashes back and forth between that and the, um, and the, uh, the hangover the morning after he doesn't, he wake up in bed next to this woman and yeah. she's like, covered in vomit. Yeah. Yeah. But I really feel like they could have spent more time with this, this his yes. bottom, because this is his bottom. And in the book, he returns to it constantly as his bottom with the little boy there, right? The little right. boy. And there was a bag of cocaine, too, on the table. And the little mm-hmm. boy was playing with the baggie of cocaine. He was like a toddler. And he kept coming back to this again. And I really felt like he could have the, – the writer, director, if they had a little more time, they should have stayed in this moment. And, and I think – Sometimes for non-alcoholics, they see this, and to them, they're like, oh, that's bad. That's bad. You know, like, I think as an alcoholic looking at it, I'm like, that is pretty fucking bad. But like, I, I felt like it just needed a little bit more of a push to emphasize how fucking bad it really was. You know, like yes. you could have had, I don't know, there was a heartbeat effect for the entire movie. And mm-hmm. I noticed that too, a sound effect of the heartbeat. And they could have really pumped that up with that hangover. Remember those hangovers where your heart would like beat? through your lips and your eyes and your ears yes. and like, you know, and so I saw that hangover. I saw that blackout and I'm like super familiar with it. Like the night comes back and flashes, you know, mm-hmm. I always had this thing that always was a pet peeve of mine a little bit. I guess it was a resentment. It was people who are mild drinkers and even some heavy drinkers were always believe that blacking out meant unconsciousness. Cause it's because when you're in normal life, you black out, you go unconscious, you fall on the ground. And, and it was, it always kind of frustrated me because I was like, no, that's not a blackout. I'm doing things. I'm up and walking around and making shit happen. And I'm unaware. Like, even in the moment, I'm aware that I'm doing it in the moment. I'm drunk. So I know mm-hmm. that I'm there's I'm doing th- it's not even like my brain's unconscious and I'm doing shit the whole time I'm doing it. I know what's going on. I just don't remember it when I come to like I don't I never remembered it. And it would come back the way it came back to him. He doesn't remember point A to point B. He just remembers 
this part of kissing this woman and then this like bald guy, the ex-husband coming up and then him beating the fuck out of the guy. Do you know what I mean? And then mm -hmm. it's like splashes. Like it was like, un like archeological dig for me some mornings. Like I have to go through and unearth it and find this piece of broken pottery and go, oh shit, you know, the evidence of it in your pockets, you know, pulling out receipts from bars. Like, yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? And being like, mm -hmm. why is my phone busted? And then trying to unearth that in your brain. Like, what did I do that I smashed my phone, you know? What did I do that I hurt myself or I cut myself or scraped my hand or any number of things or my shirt Tons was dirty or... Just calls from like cab drivers, you know what I mean? And, and wake so up it's and... like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So to him that I feel, really feel like that was really accurate with the scenes of the flashbacks of like what he was doing and where he was at. And, but I felt like we could have sat in that hangover a little longer. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It was, it went by very quickly and you know, it really yeah. didn't because, because that's his bottom that, so that would, that was one thing, but still they did a great job with what, what was there. I don't, I don't really have too many complaints about the movie itself too, no, uh, it as was a whole, a like great movie. I loved it. I, and they, they like tied all the knots together at the end with the shining and they did, yes. they did an homage to everything. And, um, but oh, it's oh, just yeah. that, I, I, you know, the other thing is like in that hangover scene when he like opens up his wallet and it's empty and he's just like, no, no, no. Yeah. And he's like all panicked and shit and like that decision to steal the purse. And I just know that, um, that feeling. And even I thought like with the way that he was dressed kind of like with his, I don't know if they were scrubs or Dickies, but he kind of looked like Bukowski. He kind of looked like Mickey Rourke in yeah. um, Barfly. He the way just his doing the Barfly fit. white shirt, black mm -hmm. jacket. I had written, yeah. uh, ste stealing money from a single mom seems like a pretty good bottom. Yeah. And then, and then in the thought, I like paused it. I looked at my wife and I'm like, I bet you Stephen King took the source of this story from a story he heard in AA. I honestly do. I, mean, I don't yeah. think he's like breaking 11th tradition, but I bet you anything, a young mm -hmm. man sat down and told this story or some version of the story. And he thought that's a fucking hell of a bottom. I, and I don't want to accuse him of, you know, of, of, you know, what stays here, stays here, you know, but I just thought, um, wow, that's, that's pretty intense. He also has a really great, um, a Halloran shows up at that point too, mm -hmm. because he's trying to take the memory of the bottom, remember, and put it in the box. Cause Halloran shows him this method of once again, like a right. real alcoholic, compartmentalization which yep. is like yeah which is like the fucking um that's how we roll you know the compartmentalization is how we roll and um yeah he just he just shows him that method but when he tries to hide his bottom or that memory halloran says uh um uh, they're the real ghosts and you got to take them with you <laughs> and yeah, like she I, hit me hard you know i was like damn that's that's pretty fucking intense you know yeah, I wrote the same thing down. He says, never memories. You can't put the memories in the box. Those are the real right. ghosts. Right. And to me, I thought, you know, that I, the act of compartmentalization, it seems much easier in active alcoholism than in recovery. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And now you're on your path. Like, this is where your path diverges. So you either keep going, keep drinking until you die from it, or you go in this other path where you try to, like, um, get everything together that's been broken. You right. know? So while you're on this path, like it's a lot harder to compartmentalize these awful things that you do. Right. Yeah. My, uh, um, by the way, and mm -hmm. this will probably end up in the pod. My garage band totally crashed. Just so you know. <laughs> okay. This is so going to be a pretty, 
pretty high quality version of A's for alcoholics. So, <laughs> so it will be recorded from Skype. That's we got yeah, it. We got it. That's all. We fucking crashed at eighteen thirty four, and I went, great. Okay, cool. But anyway, um, let's keep going. <laughs> we'll keep going. So, um, so I think that at this point the movie cuts to uh, Abra, and she's. I had to stop it and to figure out which song she was practicing. And she was playing on the piano, Teach Your Children Well by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yes. Yeah, okay. Which I guess now we've got Dick Holleran, who was teaching little Danny. And now Danny's going to have to be, is going to have to teach this young girl um, how to, uh, how to deal with her shining with her. She's a very special person, um, which she's got the the magic powers or whatever you want to call it. So, um, so I just thought that was an interesting thing because I don't remember what the song was in the book, but I guess it could have been any song. And it was I just kind of about the song either. Yeah. But it also was this idea of Dick Holleran saying, you know, later on. He says something to the effect of like, you need to teach somebody. And I was like, oh, sponsor sponsee relationship. Is that <laughs> Passed it on, right? Yeah. Shit. I didn't even get that. No, in my notes, I was more like I, I, I her as a character. I. And even in the book, Stephen King has this way of writing people sometimes that bothers me. Mm-hmm. And my biggest pet peeve, and I think what cracked this door about me kind of di- – because I kind of dislike her. I really do. She's kind of flat. And so I, I think what annoyed me about her that started my irritation was her name. Like I mm-hmm. hate her name. It a fucking, it's even in my notes. I'm like, I, I don't like her name. And throughout Ever. my notes, I just keep I just refer to her by a letter A at one point because I'm like, her name is so stupid. It's busy. It's like irritating me. But but you need her. Right. It's exactly how funny the the. Um, the idea of this psychic shining, this thing that you're born with running tandem with alcoholism and how you have to pass on once you go into recovery, you have to pass on. Yeah, you don't have to, but it makes it a lot easier. You know, that's what helps you. On. Yeah, because yeah. he's uh, you know Danny struggles with that later on really, in the movie. Really good. Um, that's yeah, a really great way of looking mm-hmm. at it. Yeah. Um, and then so then the the movie starts to they start introducing us to like the true not to these evil, I don't know demon people or whatever feeders. Um, yeah. And they give us the there's the young girl who, um, it basically and we don't know all of her backstory. I don't know remember it from the book, but it is she, in the book. He goes yeah. In there. Yeah, she's interesting, but I can't remember. She's a young girl who lures older men who are, you know, basically pedophiles, and she has this power to, to make them fall asleep, and then she cuts their face. Right, and, she's like suggestible. You know. She she can suggest like she's a pusher. They call her. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. She'd be like, "Take your shirt off, buddy. It's Saturday." And you're like, "I should take my shirt off. It is Saturday." Right, and so this this becomes important later. Um, her power her, of able to suggest something to somebody and make them make them do it. Um, so they in- introduce her, and um, there's this is, and then when Danny does his first geographic move, which we cut to him waking up, drinking and, whiskey in an underpass with an empty with an bottle. Underpass. <laughs> yeah, with an empty bottle, right? And it, and I had a hard time writing that in my notes because I was like, Danny wakes up under an underpass. Like it sounded thing, like I yeah. was trying to write a hip hop rhyme or something. Like, yeah. Under an underpass. I just wrote wakes up outside near the train tracks because I was mm-hmm. like, I can't even write that in my notes under an underpass. I noticed too when he gets on the bus, he's got a bottle stuffed in his jacket. You can see mm. the cap and the neck of it kind of hanging out, like kind of poking out, you know. And then they, they cut back to Abra and her birthday party. 
and that birthday yeah. magician who's kind of a fucking dick actually he's cool yeah. but then one point she's like i can do magic too and he's like that's mm-hmm. nice kid. like really dismissive and i was like if i have had a birthday party and the clown was like kind of dismissive to her i'd take him aside later and be like hey dude you don't gotta be rude you're just a fucking kid man just a kid yeah <laughs> just a little kid she's gonna spout off wild shit if you're not used to doing mm-hmm. that maybe you should find another job petco or something they're open they're open right, right now during the quarantine petco's open well, you got to take care of your pets. You really do, man. <laughs> Those poor Petco people. Anyways, this is going to be like a, yeah, bad sound quality and during a fucking outbreak. Jesus. Well, so that's the other thing is I'll probably just They're post gonna this up for everybody to listen to. Um, yeah, I'm so bummed that thing crashed. I don't know. Today I just okay. got I got shining with devices today. <laughs> so Danny decides I'm done. we don't know exactly where he's at at this point. He's somewhere, um, probably on the east coast somewhere. I don't know. Um, I think outside of Maine a little bit. When they they recruit this girl, I thought you know it was really I found the true not themselves, even though they were the villains in the story, to be really fascinating. I really mm-hmm. did. And I thought, man, they sh- I would have liked to have seen a true not movie because she tells her you're a really strong pusher and we don't have we haven't had one of those in a long time. But we all stick with each other for life. So then I'm like, I wonder what happened to the other person that she's talking. About. Right. Yes, exactly. And then they have like that really old guy that's been with them forever. And so I'm like, how did these people all get together? And what's their life? And he gets into it more in the book. They're all older in the book and they're all rolling around in RVs because he says they're invisible. Nobody notices an old couple in an RV other than the fact they drive too slow. Do you know what I mean? They're not really Mm -hmm. standing out except in the movie. you got this hot ass lady with a cool hat and Mm -hmm. they're hot, like a really hot Indian boyfriend, native man, Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, with his cool hat. And then like some non-discriminate dude, with like sunglasses i don't know their whole crew like stood the fuck out if i would have saw them, it would have been like is that a band right yeah. i think it, that would be totally cool like some sort of uh background story on the true knot because at one point there's an older guy who's like grandpa fleek or fleck yeah whatever yeah yeah i know and what you're talking about though. that giant dude yeah she's she's talking to her and saying like you've watched empires rise and fall and all this stuff like so these these vampires have been around for a very long time Right, and in the King universe, they're part of like all that shit. There's some stuff that a lot of there's a couple things that tie into the Dark Tower, not just what Halloran says, mm-hmm. but there's a few things that tie into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they introduce the True Knot. They talk a little bit about that. We get Abra, and Danny picks up Abra's vibes from the birthday party, like for right. a second, from the silverware flying through the air, like hanging from the ceiling, and um. That's when Danny shows up in New Hampshire, right. and um, he meets his what's going to be his new friend Billy, and he kind of just rolls off the bus, yep, and he comes up to the park, and this guy's like, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, yeah. Um, and I just love this. He says, um, "He goes like, I know that look, right? You, know? you, you, are you? What are you fresh off the bus or uh, right. just coming mm-hmm. through town or whatever?" And so later we come to find out that Billy's an AA and he's like, I, I can see this dude. And he, um, he, he's like, he's, I just love that. Like, I know that look. Well, it's, it's really funny. Cause I was like, yo, that's the dad from fear of the walking dead. And he's got cornrows and he's building mm-hmm. like this scale model version of the town. It looks over and sees his fucking bum get off the bus. And like immediately dude, like game recognized game. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like another sick, player man. could tell another player is like, and this dude gets off the bus. So he's like, oh, you play the game too. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I love that. I, um, he just fucking gets 12 stepped right off the bat. You know what I'm saying? Like it reminded me of like the Hollywood movies where the girl from Ohio gets off the bus in downtown LA and there's a guy there who's like, you want to be a model? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then she ends up like stripping or whatever. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me in a way of that. Not as sordid though, but the idea of like this guy getting off a bus who's fucking drunk as fuck. And then mm-hmm. this other dude's like, I see you buddy, you know? And like, gets him a room, hooks him up. He's like, I'm right. going to hook you up. I, the total idea of like service. Actually, mm-hmm. it's a really selfless version of service because that's very like throwing caution to the wind. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. I, th- I think that too, and this is something that really struck out to me, like in early sobriety was, and having, having a sponsor and having to trust this other person that I didn't really know. Yeah. And there was no reason for them to help me. I didn't feel like there was any reason for them to help me. So I've, I totally empathize with this point in the movie where you're just like, why are you doing this, man? You don't even know me. You know, yeah. like, why do you give a shit? Right. And, you know, later come to find out why. And But it was like really a huge thing to, you know, that's the beginning is like this little seed of trust to kind of help you get off the fucking booze. And Well, and it goes both ways, right? Especially in... Billy's case where he takes Danny in and gets him a room and shit and kind of offhandly offers him some help where like he doesn't know this guy either. And so there has to be a trust. Like, I'm going to get this guy credibility and it's up to him to not trash the room or die in the room or steal mm-hmm. from the woman. Do you know what I mean? A while out like drunk people do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, after that, fucking, what, Snakebite? They call her Snakebite Andy. She gets jumped. She gets jumped into the true She knot. gets jumped into the gang, yes. Yeah, she gets, which is intense as fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, then, and I just, um, I put the, the, one of the things that was interesting to me was they would cut back and forth between um, Danny and Billy, like, bond, bonding, and then they would cut to this, and it was just the juxtapose of the power, they would juxtapose the power of recovery and the power of addiction. Right. And it was kind of this they would and they do this a couple of times where they cut back and forth between right. those relationships. And it's it interesting. It's very interesting because in a way they're both getting jumped into different gangs, except mm-hmm. the gang that Danny gets jumped into. It's really weird. He doesn't go looking to be part of the gang. Like so the dynamic of this 12 step that happens is like Danny's in bed. He has this vision or or is it a vision? That's my big question was, and he sees the ma, the lady, his rock bottom woman, and she's dead and the baby's dead. And yeah. she's like, you just left us here and I would fucking died. And then the baby died. Cause no one, no one gives a fuck about us. And so then I've like had to pause it. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, do you think this is his guilt? This is a vision. Or do you think these are actual ghosts? Like, do you think they really did fucking die? And now they're ghosts coming to him. Like the overlook ghosts, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that was kind of up in the air with me. And I kind of liked that. I didn't have that answer, you know, because I know there were times in my recovery and still times now where I think back to what I have done in active alcoholism and I cringe really hard and not even just for the social aspect of it, but in the way that what could have been, how bad I could have hurt myself, how I've gotten in the car with people driving super drunk and how I could have just ended up spread across the highway, the things I've said to people, things I've done, I've, you know, physically done to other people and look back and cringe like, Man, if that would have been an inch to the left, I'd be gone or I'd be fucking in a wheelchair or anything. And so I wondered what that was, but I kind of liked that it was open ended. But that's when he goes to Billy and he's like, 
Philly does, it pulls out the whole fucking dog and pony show. He's like, you're mm-hmm. sick, you're tired, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And then I, and I was like, welcome to the club, Danny. Glad mm-hmm. you're here. Glad you're here, I just, Danny. Glad you're I here. wrote, I wrote, come on in. Let's talk about it. Like, yeah. that, just like <laughs> all of us were such fucking Mormon cornball sometimes. Cause I was just like, glad you're here, Danny. Glad you're, keep coming back. Keep coming <laughs> back, buddy. Um, and then, so he goes to his first AA meeting and, um, he meets the doctor. And so that, and the AA meeting, um, I think it's also very, it's fairly accurate as far as my, my small experience with them. Um, but he meets the doctor, which I feel like the doctor had more, played more of a role in the book, but, um, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that guy, that actor whose name I can't remember, who's always in something. And he's either a cool guy or he's an asshole and everything. You know what I mean? It's like this character. It was not. Yeah. He is character. He goes, he vacillates in his roles. Mm -hmm. Is he going to be a bad guy? But I already read the book. So I knew he wasn't a bad guy. I just know he lost his watch. And Billy's (laughs) like, I know where your fucking watch is because I'm psychic as fuck. I also like the dynamic between the doctor and Billy where, um, she, the doctor, I can't remember his name. He looks over Billy goes, how you doing? How's it, how are you doing? How's it going? And it's that total AA, like, how are you doing? Sincere, which I've talked about on the podcast before, is that sincere, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, how's it going? How are things? And it's not that fucking, how are you today? You know what I mean? Like, how mm-hmm. you feeling? People, that's that throwaway in normal society, like, yeah, I'm fine, when you're not fine at all. Where at AA, they're like, how are you doing? And you're like, well, I fucking broke garage band and I broke right. my right. fucking phone and, the, you or, know, whatever. I might, I might be able to see my kids you know, in a couple of months, once Some I finish these shit, fucking court you know, ordered, yeah. you know, because he says, how's your little brother? And Billy's <laughs> like, well, you know, you know, like, so there's your, once again, the theme of genetics and the theme of, of family and the theme of nature and nurture working together, you know, mm-hmm. that Billy's brother also has addiction problems and he's out in the wind now he's out there, you know, he went out. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing that they say is like, you think you understand, but you don't. And, you know, again, I think yeah. that's, that's definitely a, a um a feeling that we all get is this like you don't understand me you don't know what i've been through you don't know what's going on mm. so um i i like that idea as well and then so he says he he tells the doctor where his watch was and yeah. then he um they go and they sit down in the doctor's office which Look is the the identical office of the overlook hotel identical down to the plaques on the wall down mm-hmm. to the shit on the wall. I wrote it in my notes. This is a fucking block of it. And then I thought for a second that Danny and his dad were sitting in opposite chairs, but they weren't. Danny Torrance is sitting in the exact same side his dad was sitting in in the movie. He's mm-hmm. sitting to the doctor's stage left. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, and stage right is empty, whereas in The Shining, I went back and looked at the stills from the, the scene with, with the hotel manager, and there's another guy sitting on stage right, and, and Jack Torrance is on stage left. But I just, I loved it. It was the exact same colors mm-hmm. and everything. Um, and, you know, he's just asking him. He's kind of, like, trying to feel him out and be like, what's up, dude? Like, what do you want to do here? What's going on with you? What's your what's your plan? What's your goal? Whatever. And and, he's, and so he offers him a job, I believe, for as in the hospice there. Which is also really interesting that they decide to use the same set uh, for Danny getting a job as for his father also mm-hmm. getting a job. Which also, once again, is about divergence because when Jack Torrance goes to the Overlook Hotel, he's sober. He's five months sober, and the Overlook Hotel causes his mental relapse, right? 
Mm -hmm. It's his behavior since it's like the worst dry drunk of all time, you know. Right. Whereas Danny takes the other side of the path where him working hospice actually helps him in his recovery. Do you know what I mean? He uses his his shine for good, whereas his dad uses his tiny bit of shine to like pretty much fuck everybody up. Mm -hmm. And I love the the line where the doctor says, so uh, do uh, do dying people bother you? And he says. We're all dying. Dying. The world is one big hospice with fresh air. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what a great line. There's some good lines in this movie. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and and then so this is the, so they're cutting back and forth between this and then the uh, snake bite Andy and she or she wakes up and they're like on the beach somewhere and she they're like how long have you been out the true knot mm-hmm. say or the uh, rose the hat says to her and she's oh, a few days and and she's like am I still human. And she goes, do you even care? Right. And does I was like, matter? yeah, does it matter? Be well, live long. You know, like it's this, no. And I just think that that's too, that's like, that's a, that's, that's addiction. You know, am I even human? Do I even care anymore? Like that's. Yeah. Because she went from being this person of mm-hmm. like blurry moral stature, you know, using her powers for doing it's gray right she's gray her character is like in a vigilante justice right Right. and then we think that to her sole purpose now is to feed the thing that keeps her moving forward you know what i mean like the true knots only purpose was to keep eating to keep ingesting the thing that keeps them alive yeah there's no other purpose there's no other purpose there's Mm -hmm. no nothing else there it's just it's fucking self-will run riot yeah yeah. And one of the things, too, that they I guess this is important in the movie is that um, Danny moves into this house, this room that has a chalkboard on the wall. Right. And I think this is around the time where Abra reaches out and is able feels his shine and writes hello from her house somewhere right. up there and writes it on the chalkboard. And they kind of become these weird psychic pen pals. <laughs> right. I guess. Exactly. Because they feel each other. Right. So mm-hmm. they're kind of near proximity ish you know they feel the vibes they're Um, vibing vibing yes and i think this is also the point where we cut to danny getting his eight-year chip was that an eight-year chip it was wasn't it yeah i thought it was the one year but you're right it is no i don't know anyway he gets his eight i wrote down eight years of sobriety for danny right um and he talks about how he he used to drink to get to know his father because he felt like that was the only way he could get to know his father. Word. Um, Word. You know, and he's like, my my dad stood here with a five-month chip in a room like this wanting to get well. And it's just this whole idea of trying to connect with his dad, which, you know, that's something that I I struggle with um, still. And it's it's just kind of cool to hear it and again i think it's just like oh there's my story there i am that's me and um but he just talks about that's how important it is to have that eight-year chip and have the eight years of sobriety and what it means to his father and that kind of stuff and it's about again i think this whole movie is about reconciling the demons of your past to absolutely it is right whereas the shining itself the book and the movie is about succumbing to the demons do you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. letting the demons take over letting the compulsion take over letting that thing run your life yeah and so this one is the story of um 
No, it is a story of uh, validation. Is that the word? Re- get a little woo-woo with it. It's a little mm-hmm. rebirth, like a phoenix from the flames. You know, sure. I can't think of the word now, but yeah. Uh, redemption? Yeah, retro, retro, redemption. That was the word I was looking for. Not the red dead kind. No. No. <laughs> um, and then I I just wrote this, and I'm trying to remember. I think that they all, like, they were the true knot is stressing about how much they're out of steam and they don't have enough. They call it steam, the stuff that they're feeding off of. Right. And, and I just wrote. Closes at eight. Mm-hmm. You know? Open up a can of steam with the boys is all I wrote. So like, <laughs> you know, I want to go back to the Danny yeah, thing yeah. too. When he said uh, on that, when he's talking about his dad in the five month ship, he said on that day, all he wanted to do was stand where I'm standing now, you know, like, yeah. like sober, like eight years sober, like, and with time, with, mm-hmm. with the ability to continue forward. You know, I thought that was really touching. I was like, God damn, you know, like, damn. All right, Dr. Sleep. What else you got? It's a, it's a pretty, oh, there's yes. powerful, those moments of, of like recovery are pretty powerful, well-written, well-acted, really accurate. I mean, I felt exactly that way and I was able to really like connect with it on that level, you know, on you a know, very emotional level. Yeah, no. And so was I, I mean, because I think it is so relatable and I feel like you and I working through the program, I, and I'm not saying it necessarily doesn't make us have any more insight than anyone else we just have insight into our own we have more insight into our own characters people i i believe work in a program you get more insight into your own character is that Mm -hmm. uh, those moments i think i look for those relatable moments now more because i realized once i started working the program is when i found the moments i could relate to they gave me tools that i could work with you know what i mean it was like this process of healing so now with everything i'm constantly trying to find the empathetic kind of relatable moment like where do me and this person or me in this situation link that's going to make it easier for me to accept it or deal with it or understand it or work around it or work with it you know mm-hmm. so i feel like in this movie i kept looking for the scenes i could relate to you know mm-hmm. a lot i think that's why I, well you know it's the shining but yeah. And then there's a, the scene where the old guy is in bed, right? We go back to the hospice with Dan right. and the old guy in bed who's dying. And he's like, I'd, I'm afraid there's nothing, right? Which is the, the big, great musings of of, uh, of, uh, dying. of the dying and the agnostic, or I was going to say the atheist, you know, that there's nothing there. It's just there's nothing before, nothing at the end. And he's like, we don't end, man. We don't end. You know, that mm-hmm. idea of like continuing on which i felt like is a theme that kind of pops up a few times plus danny knows he sees fucking ghosts all the time he's like let me tell you brother <laughs> me and <laughs> tub nana we'd be chilling me and tub nana mm-hmm. and that's that's the other this is another important thing that i don't i don't know if we talked about but in his recovery he started to take these ghosts and he would lock them in the boxes you know dick right. hollering as a little kid or Danny as a little kid gets this box from Dick Holler and he's like, memorize this box, how it feels, what it looks like, if there's right. a smell. And then you're going to put those ghosts in a box in your mind. And that's how mm-hmm. he compart, you know, we talked about the compartmentalizing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These things that are these phantoms, whereas like, you know, yeah, the real things that are happening to him. He's like, don't you don't box that shit up, dog. But uh, I also, you can go on to the next part here, but I had some, you know, when they're all taking in the steam, when you said open up a can of steam with the boys mm-hmm. Um, I, I had noticed that the way they take in the steam is super fucking inefficient. They're like, crack it open, yeah. let it go on the air, and then they just kind of stand around. I'm like, bitch, go buy some straws. Like, right. you <laughs> steam with a straw. You know, or, or a dab rig or whatever, you know? Something. Like, yeah, these dudes figured out how to dab fucking weed oil and have these ornate glass rigs. You'd think they would, those vampires would be like, the toilet paper tube roll, you know, something. 
paper towel roll. A Anything. Two liter, two liter cut in half. Remember that? Remember smoking yes. pot with two liter? Then you'd hot yes. knife it, get two liter cut in half, and suck all the smoke. Yeah. Yeah. We figured out as dumb 20-year-olds, but these fucking vampires aren't like, hmm. And they've been around for centuries, right? Oh, no. Hell, yeah. That's true. I never thought about that. <laughs> um, at I think the next big per- turning point is the uh, kid playing baseball. Baseball kid, yeah. So they're out traveling. They feel, they sense the shining in some little kid, and they go toward him, and they, they go to eat him, basically. And um, one thing I noticed was... Um, the kid's baseball number, his jersey 18. number, 19. 19. This is of a big. Of course it was. Did finger guns on that one. This is a big uh, Stephen King number for those of you who don't know. Uh, anything in the Stephen King universe, the number 19, 19 is 19, very pro- well. 1999, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, no, 19, 19 is pretty important right now with COVID 19, right? Oh Interesting. shit. Mm-hmm. Trips. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, I wrote here, and th- so they, they find this kid, they kidnap this kid, and one of the things that makes the, um, one of the things that makes the steam stronger is fear and terror. Yeah. So, this is a pretty rough scene, I mean, even It from- is, I hate it, I didn't <laughs> like it. It made and me they, super uncomfortable. They basically, they tie this kid down and they torture him in a really oh, awful uh, way. Yeah. So that they can get it. And I just wrote, addicts prey on the weak and young to feed the habit. It never ends. Lie, deceit, kill, betrayal. And so it's. I think it's, again, this is a manifestation of what addiction does to the people who, you know, it doesn't directly affect. So the right. family members, right? The people around, right. your, your loved ones, or even just people in society, this kind of stuff. So um, I thought that, that was definitely like a physical manifestation of it. Right. It, 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 in the sense that the, the only big difference is within the true knot is they their goal is to hurt and, and cause pain, whereas the addict necessarily the goal isn't to the ultimate goal is to chase the high. Whereas with the true knot, they get the better high from hurting someone, so their goal is to hurt and cause pain. And I feel like the addict, the goal isn't to cause pain; it's just their that's the side effect to their actions. Right. The action yes. is to acquire the thing that 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 completes the task. Yes. And you know what? If I have to fucking hit you in the face with a bowling pin, which I so don't know where it. that came from, so be it. <laughs> I just some dude walking around with a bowling pin just mashing faces for meth. It's not a like, very, it's not a very, um, not good at all. Just a plate, <laughs> a dinner plate, like a turkey pan, just, mm-hmm. I don't know. So they, they, they torture this kid and, um, and eat him. Yeah. And Abra, our, our psychic, um, protagonist or one of them, our young psychic protagonist, senses this, has a bad nightmare, wakes up, fucking screaming, crying, and so she starts to investigate like what's up with this, and she goes online to find who this missing kid is. Right. Um, psychic detective work, I put mm-hmm. in. But even her pushing out doesn't. They all feel it, like that. Everybody who kind of has the shine is like, what the fuck was that? It's like shooting a gun way off in a field, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, all kind of because i think even danny gets hit with it and then yep. rose gets hit with it like what was yep. that dude she says something sensual and weird what was yes. that <laughs> noise or whatever and it's like mm-hmm. yeah okay um and during this nightmare dan well danny definitely gets gets whiff of it because his chalkboard explodes right so that's kind of a clue 
and it says red rum, which is an right. homage to the Shining's right. red rum that he drew in the door. That um, fucking deposit. He's going to have to pay that deposit back for that wall. That's, this is something else that I think I wrote later in the notes because there was more noise. Oh, later on. But I'm like, what's up with the landlady? She's fucking she hasn't said anything yet. She hasn't yeah. kicked him out. She's like, be quiet. And then there's a giant explosion and the wall mm-hmm. fucking falls apart. And she's like, no, nah, it's all good. Mm-hmm. So when the little girl does the detective work. She figures out who the boy is, goes in and does her dun-dun-dun thing or detective work, finds out he's buried in an oil refinery in a field, right? And the mm-hmm. name of the company is Lemurk, and that is also a reference to the Dark Tower. Oh, the, now that you say it. Crimson Kings, like, their little evil corporation and the part of their holdings. And I think the Lemurk oil field was also from Wizard and Glass. Was yeah, the oil something. Where they have the big shootout, like, showdown is mm-hmm. on that oil field. Yes, yes. And that's right. So it's all in there. It's all mixed up in there. Um, So Abra, doing her research, sort of reaches out and kind of feels this Rose the Hat person as well Mm. and reaches out to her in the grocery store and has this moment where they kind of meet psychically and Rose gets blown the fuck back and realizes how how powerful she is, Abra, the little girl. And um, she, this also, in this moment, this is another point where Danny feels it as well because he fucking freaks out and like blacks out or passes out in an AA meeting. Yeah. And they wake him up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I which is, you're it. like, huh, you all right, dude? Your fucking yeah. nose is bleeding and you just yeah. passed out. Right. Like, of course, eight years sobriety, you're you're not really probably thinking that somebody's using, but, you know, right. you never know. And um, they said that in his when he passed out, he was saying, please help me, Tony, which is the name that he gave to Tony. his shining to his powers. Right. Which actually, if you go back and read, I remember. Well, not if you go, but in the books, Tony turns out to be an older version of himself. Like it's him as an adult going back and talking mm-hmm. to himself. Like there's some weird astral thing going on where he's like. It's hard for him to communicate with Danny. Just from what I understand in The Shining, they go way into Tony in, in The Shining book and in Doctor Sleep, and it turns out that it's Danny being like, just call me Tony. Because he can't be like, I'm you, but an adult kid, you know? Yeah. Um, and Rose, like you said, she's like, I fucking want her. I need this, have this. We're they call her. Milk her, right? I'm going to milk her. We're going to uh, milk her like a cow. Let's get it straight from the start. We have, she's not only a human being at this point, like as alcoholics, and we found like a whiskey still out in the woods. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like a moonshine still. And we knew how to work it. And we were just right. like, sit and shit in the tall cotton now, Johnny. We're going to have free whiskey to the day we die, buddy. Right. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the thing is they're thinking we're just going to keep her captive and drain her of her stuff. And so, which is another, after you've seen what they've done to the baseball boy, it's like, that's fucking creepy. That's, yeah. um, um, and then, so at this point, Abra looks for and meets up with Danny to talk right. to him. So she goes and seeks him out, like follows his shine, goes to New Hampshire and walks up to him. And he's like, Hey dude, you can't, you're fucking, you know, 13 year old girl. You can't be like, we can't be talking. We can't be hanging out. I'm a grown man. Like this doesn't look right. And she's right. like, it's cool. You're my uncle Danny, like no big deal. And I don't know what decisions were made in the casting, but Abra comes from a mixed race couple. And right. so, if she had not one way or the other, if she had been all, if she had been all like her parents were both black, right. it wouldn't have worked as well with the uncle Danny. So I just thought it was some interesting casting choices for right. all of this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know 
what part of it was about inclusivity or because I don't think that these things are are related to in the book. In the I don't same know. Book. Yeah, I don't know if he's clear about her her ethnicity and her race in the book. I don't know if he's clear about it. I have to re go back and reread the book. Yeah. Right. Her and herself as an actress, she did great. I thought the idea of a mixed race couple couple was interesting. It was just like any other couple. Do you know what I mean? Right. I, I just like once again, I kept coming back to her just not as an actress, but just as a character. They didn't give her a lot to work with. Like I, I hear just you. felt like she was just kind of like a yeah. precocious kid. She had no depth. So I was like kind of annoyed by her. Because I was just like, but we need her there to turn the plot and make Danny right. do the things he does. Why would he go back to the Overlook unless there was a reason? Do you know what I mean? True. I feel like there could have been a little more um, background on her, mm -hmm. you know, to make us care a little bit more about her as a right. person, as a character. She gets a little bit in the book. And then, mm -hmm. and as time goes by with this little girl, with Abra, she kind of starts developing a character near the end that I kind of start liking actually a lot more because she's less flat and more vindictive. Mm -hmm. And she's like, fuck you. I'm here to fuck you up. And I'm like, yeah, like be she's not me. scared. No, she's not scared. And she's angry. And she's mm -hmm. actually a little sadistic in a way. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, when she grows up, <laughs> like, God damn, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so Abra, <laughs> let's see. She meets Danny. They talk about the shining. He's right. like, I don't do this. Don't follow these people. Just keep it low. He's like, ignore your shining. Don't do that. Like it's better, you know, cause he's still scared. She's not scared. He says, they come uh, back. If you use your shine, they come back is his quote. Right. Don't use it. Cause they come back. Yeah. Mm. And he's talking about the ghosts and the yeah. people want to eat you and all he's that shit. Boxes in his brain. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this is the part where we go back to Danny's job and he's got another, the cat goes in and so basically what happens is there's a little cat that lives in the hospice. And the cat right, goes and in the room. I and think that the cat was called Dr. Sleep, right? Or was he called Dr. Sleep? He was I think called, he Dr. was Sleep. called Dr. Sleep. Okay. The yeah. cat was something like Azriel or something. I think that's from the Smurfs, but, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, it was. There's a few things going on here. I honestly think when Stephen King wrote this story, he had three stories and mashed them together into one. Because it mm -hmm. seems like the true non thing could have been its own story. This guy and this cat, he like probably heard a story about this cat in a hospice that knew when people were going to die because cats are full of fucking magic. They're like little mm -hmm. magic assholes. <laughs> and then he had the shining thing that he wanted to do. But anyway, carry on. So the cat goes into the hospital room. That That's when Danny knows to go and help put the old person to sleep, the dying person to sleep. Time to go. Yeah. Time to go. And in the one particular um scene he goes in he puts the person to sleep and dick hollering appears again ghost dick. and ghost dick <laughs> so ghost dick shows up and danny's like what's you know i what's up with this abra person like i why you know what i can't do this he's like and dick says you have to help her right um you know and that's where i said the correlation between helping abra and being a sponsor sponsee right. and um and danny says why me and Dick says, because she found you. Right. And that's like, and that's what it is. I mean, like, in some, again, what is it? What is the AA quote? When anyone, anywhere, let me be the hand or whatever. Yeah. And let me be the I'm hand. Responsible. I'm responsible. I'm yeah. responsible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So but, I, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to. Oh, just, to, just that that's the correlation. That's the interesting. That's what I found. Yeah. He used the program a lot, I imagine, when he was writing this story. Uh, Ghost Dick tells him, last time I saw you, you were at the bottom. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's almost like Dick Halloran is his other sponsor. You got Billy who's yeah. sponsoring him on this plane. And then you had Dick Halloran who's kind of like this, as a kid, sponsored him through dealing with this genetic thing or whatever it is he has, this this mm-hmm. supernatural thing, you know? And now he's helping him. It's like your old sponsor coming back to you again and being like, well, it's been a few years. You got your shit together yet, you know? Mm-hmm. Been using those tricks I taught you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's where the other Dark Tower quote comes in is right here. Yeah. Which is? Cause a wheel, you know? Yeah. I don't remember what it is in reference to. I watched this last night, too. Like, he says something to him, and he goes, cause a wheel, doc. You know, like... Mm-hmm. What comes like, around goes around. Goes around, same as it ever was. You know, mm-hmm. same as it ever was. It's just everything. It's, uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite things. I wish Stevie King would have named it something other than Ka, though. That <laughs> idea of this life. Like, Ka was everything, right? In the Dark Tower books, it was like God... It was life. It was destiny. It was everything all at once, you know. And it was like ka, ka, you know. Like yeah. I don't know. Like it's a little corny. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he he has a way. I I just warts and all. I'll take him. Fuck it. <laughs> um. So Rose and Crow are talking strategy, and uh, Daddy Crow Crow Daddy is the other. Crow is Daddy. The, Crow Daddy and Rose the Hat are the two right. main bad. Bad That's a fucking cool name, man. Crow Daddy. Crow Daddy. It I is. wish someone called me that. Like, oh shit, Crow Daddy's here, and I'm just like, what uh-huh. up, y'all? I brought cake, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I bought um, some pies. And she, he says, and this is this is um, this is I guess this is important to the plot later. But he says you should probably stay and hang back because she's too powerful, and we don't want to lose you. Yeah, like, like you're the you know. Yeah. So um, and so Rose does her astral projection and goes to find Abra. Mm-hmm. And crawls into her mind, which is like this big giant wall of um, card indexes, like a big yeah. filing cabinet. Yeah. And she's like digging through her mind. And this is the first time where Abra, um, or she like plays a trick on her or sets a trap. Sets a trap, yeah. Ambushes it away. Hand off almost, yeah. yeah. And so they have this big old fight in the in the netherworld or whatever. Right. And um, that's where uh, Rose finds out how powerful Abra really is. You see her arrogance flip into fear for the first time. They're all very arrogant. At least her and her and Crow Daddy are super fucking arrogant, right? Mm-hmm. And when Abra flips it, she's like, surprise, bitch. Like, I, that's what I wrote, too. I was like, surprise, bitch, because it was a total, like, she flipped right into her mind using the same trick that, that she was doing, and it scared the shit out of her. It, and mm-hmm. it hurt her physically, too. It, like, scared her and hurt her. And so I was like, Dang, you really see the extent of this character's power, you know, because you have this older, wiser character who's not necessarily wiser, but the older one who is more um, experienced. But they're really fucking arrogant. And I think that at, at the end, that's what fucks them all over is their arrogance, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I wrote something about that later on, too. Um, but and I want to go to that. But uh, so grandpa finally dies and they the addicts like. Right feed off of him like whatever little last breath of steam that he has right. as soon as he's dead they try to they're trying to comfort him while he's alive but as soon as he's dead they jump on top of him and like suck right. all the last taking all the change out of his pockets you know what basically yeah, yeah. I, I i said he turned into i i i noticed that when he died he turned into the crypt keeper you yes know, from, he goes tales from the crypt he's mm-hmm. like ah, it cycles out they called it he's like blinking in and out of reality and then bam crypt keeper and then dead then right. just disappears right they like turn into dust or whatever and then mm-hmm. And then they yeah. all suck up the dust, and they're like, mm. yeah. and it's very much addiction. It's totally fucking what addicts do to each mm-hmm. other. 
Right. You know, if you're if you're no use to me, you know what I mean? Like if you're no right. use to me to help me get more, then get the fuck out of here. I'll pretend to be your friend for as long as I can get another drink. Well, if everybody's feeding off each other, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Everybody's using each other for their own ends. But it's, sometimes I think about it like that too. It's like it's sometimes it's not even intentional. Do, mm-hmm. do you know what I'm saying? It's just part of the process. It's like part of the addiction. I don't, dude. I don't want to hurt you or fuck you over. I just need my shit, and you can get me the shit, and I can get you the shit, so we're cool. And then mm-hmm. when you're gone, and I have you can't get me the shit anymore, I'm still gonna try to fuck it you know you would have done the same thing to me so yeah right um so grandpa dies and at this point danny realizes he has to do something to help abra like they they talk they he understands that this woman's gonna come and fucking eat her and probably Mm -hmm. you know so he's got to do something so he's like okay i need to help this girl and the only other person he knows is billy who's his sponsor and so i love the i love the um the conversation where he's like, look, you know, I'm a good man. You know, I'm clean. You know, I'm sober. I trusted you. Basically, I need you to listen to me and trust me and try to keep an open mind. I'm not lying to you. You know, this right. whole thing. Right. right. Um, and like, I I'm, think this, I'm this magic, is, bro. <laughs> I think this is only in an A and I wrote this down um, only in like an AA based relationship with something like this work. You know what I mean? Like if it was your family, you'd be like, dude, my fucking brother's crazy. If it was your, you know, just your friend, you'd be like, my friend's gone off the fucking deep end. I have no idea. And but it's like there's this connection that happens in AA. I think that you're like, okay, this guy wouldn't fucking lie to me. Right. So you're like, I just I did a four step with this guy and he fucked his cousin and stole her shoes. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Sell Mm -hmm. the shoes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I gotta believe this guy because this guy told me he like, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's some pretty gnarly shit. Yeah, stole um, a bunch of hubcaps to get mm-hmm. booze money. Stole right. The pres- stole the president's hubcaps, you know, or some <laughs> fucking good thing. So, um, moving right along, and so they go and they they go and they find the baseball boy, and it's yeah, really fucked trip. up, and yeah. they take a little road trip. Abra's in the back seat, but not really because she's just there, like astral projecting herself. Um, um, it shows where the baseball boy is. Uh, so they're in, they know this is legit. Billy believes him. He's in for good. It's fucking gross. They both puking. Yeah. Really awful. Um, and then they go to Abra's dad who doesn't believe him. It's like, get away from my child. Yeah. Like stop talking you. to my 13 year old kid. Well, yeah. Like, anybody yeah. would. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah. And, um, so she has to like give him her, her dad, the shining for a second to like show him the fucked up evils. Fucking sucks. Yeah. And so the best part in this is like when, after he gets like shook and he starts pouring himself like a triple scotch scotch, and both of the, he's like, Hey, you want one? And both Danny and Billy are like, no, thanks. And it's just that sort of, (laughs) I love that you bring that up because I think that that phrase, no thanks should be right next to the needle pointed and stuck right next to the easy does it phrase. <laughs> it really I really do. I really do. I feel like it should be a common program saying is no thanks. You know, how many times in my life have I said no thanks now at this point? Politely, mm-hmm. but always like, you know, hey, we're going to go meet uh, Olive's friend's parents. And they're like, you want a nice Chablis or whatever they're drinking? No, thanks. Can you put yeah. some, can you put some, uh, put it on my knuckles? Can you yeah, put no sure. thanks? No thanks. Oh yeah, right across your knuckles. Just, yeah, I think. If it fits, it's eight letters. 
Oh, I don't know. Does it fit? T-H-A-N-K-S. No thanks. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> that's pretty fucking funny. But yeah, I, I was like, this should be needle-pointed and hung on the wall of yeah. every jerk's basement in the country. Yeah. Just easy does it. First things first. No thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting to me is that, so so they're basically going to go set up a trap to try and kill these people, right? The, yeah. the true not. And in the scene where they're digging up the baseball boy, Billy talks about how he went. He used to go hunting, and he smelled this. Somebody had like tied a deer to a tree or some shit like that. And he's like, this is that smell. That and, death, yeah. And so in the next scene, when they go to ambush the true knot, um, and they get into a gunfight, um, what's great about this, this is just great movie writing, is that um, you just all of a sudden see Billy with a fucking uh, rifle, right? shooting and like i love this because they set it up but it wasn't just exposition you know they made there's there's a reason so they gave him a reason to talk about his the his ability to hunt by the smell of this dead boy and so in when the scene comes by later you're not like oh these guys are just fucking marksmen now like what's up with that so rolling around with fucking sniper rifles. Yeah. Sniper rifles, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, he's he's a hunter. That's why they're and they're in Billy's car or whatever, or truck or whatever it is. And so that's why he has these guns, and that's why he's able to shoot these people from afar. So they get into the gunfight. Um and do you want to talk about the uh the snake bite Andy and what she ends up doing? Do you remember? Oh this? yeah, because she ends up pushing on him. Well, Abra's sitting in her house, and she's like, "Kill all them motherfuckers," which I love because she's just like, "Bring them hell," you know. Mm-hmm. And so they kill them all, and then they shoot her, and she's cycling out. And then Billy comes around the car. Well, Billy shoots her, right? Because she's about to shoot. Because she mm-hmm. like convinces Danny to sit down because Danny fucked all his powers up with whiskey, mm-hmm. and cocaine, and so she's like, uh, anyway. She encourages him to sit or whatever. He sits and Billy comes around and lights her up. And then she's just like, fucking kill yourself. And he, yeah, he commits suicide. He blows his own head off. He just, That's it's kind of sad, actually. I feel yeah. bad because I'm like, dang, dude, they keep killing the dad from Fear of the Walking Dead. Because they <laughs> killed him in Fear of the Walking Dead, too, in a real sad way. And I was like, dang, I didn't watch very much of that, though. Megan made me watch like two seasons of that. He was Maybe he four. was also the uh, one of the gangsters in uh, Training Day. Who hold uh, Ethan Hawke hostage? No way. In the bathtub. Really? Yep. He was also in Once for Warriors, which is an intense fucking movie, also mm. about alcoholism, which I may not want to do for this podcast because it is fucking intense. Okay. A lot of domestic violence. Mm. A lot of a lot of kicking your spouse's ass in that movie. Jesus. Rough. Maybe we'll do it. We'll just both sit here and just it'll just be silent, and then we'll be like, well, <laughs> then it'll just be the A's for alcoholic theme song. That's it. We just mm-hmm. well. Anyhow, so they so, so they yeah. they set up the trap, and he kills her whole crew. The whole crew's gone except for old boy. Well, no, there's the double double. Yeah, yep. they pretty much kill the whole crew. Mm-hmm. She's it's like, sad. "Fuck my crew." Yeah, Crow Daddy realizes it was a trap and goes mm-hmm. and kidnaps Abra, right? Who's not with them? Right. Double double cross. Yeah. We're we being clear about this yet. I, I I hope that you guys are following. I'm doing my best. Um, yeah, we're both trying here <laughs> on Skype. Um. So at the at this point, Danny goes back to his room, right? Yeah. But this is where the crow daddy does that fucking arrogance thing. Oh yes, dad comes in with the knife and he's like, "Oh, I think it's so funny that you're trying to appeal to a god," you know. And I'm like, mm-hmm. "You're gonna okay, 
your, the arrogance is going to get you, right? Right. The arrogance of your addiction. Right. So Danny sees the guy that he's he's Abra's dad is dead. Right. Um, he eyes the whiskey bottle. Takes and it. And then we cut That's to the next scene, it. and he's sitting in his room, and he's got it, and he's putting it, and he fucking puts it to his lips. Like, right. I love, like, every little step, like, it's just like, I have it in my hand, I open right. it. I put it to my lips. I touch my lips. And then he even like gives it a little knock back. Like you're like, fuck, dude, is he going to just ruin eight years of sobriety with, right. you know, like it's even I read the book and knew he didn't. But still, I was like, yes, yeah. that's, that's the tr- anyway. Go ahead. It's the I, truth. It's no, the, it, but it's also the trope I really dislike. Trope. It oh, turns okay. me off every time I see it. It's like a, it's one of these tropes that I, I, I understand it causes tension within the story. Right. And I don't I don't know if he does it in the book or not. But I just really dislike the trope of the alcoholic who has a lot of time invested falling out, you know, and yeah. relapsing. And there are a lot of alcoholics with a lot of time to relapse. It's, we drink, we're drunks, you know, but just for once in media, I'd like to see the alcoholic portrayed, the recovering alcoholic portrayed as not even being tempted. It's the last thing on my mind. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, I've moved on and this is no longer my coping mechanism. But I get it as far as a vehicle within the story to give you tension. You know, but sure. I was also, I just, it just turns me off. Every time I see an alcoholic in a TV show, I'm like, yeah, rad. We get to, maybe we'll have like a depiction of this person that isn't, oh, wait, never mind. They're going to mm-hmm. drink. You know what I mean? Like every time, every it's time. It's true. Like, oh, it's right, true. are going to drink. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, you make, you make a good point. Yeah. I mean, it's a Stephen King movie, so we need to have the tension, right? It's, the that's what it's there, there for. And I understand it. And even the phases of the tension of almost drinking and, and toying with the idea of it not even toying like going wanting to go through and make that shit happen you know i get it like i see it and i'm also like fuck don't i get so invested in my maybe that's why i don't like it that i'm like don't man you know i want to reach through the screen and call him be like you don't gotta drink dog and he does it no so so he doesn't and he decides okay here's what i'm gonna do um crow daddy's got abra drugged in the back of a van and Danny says, I'm going to come in, you know, I'm going to like get inside your head and I'm going to psychically, you know, take over your body. Mm-hmm. And right. this is where this arrogance thing comes in. Right. We notice when he comes forward, her eyes change color. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. did you notice the scene where way back in the beginning where he changed his own eye color? He said something about that. So his mom they wouldn't look at him, scene. right? Yeah, right. They show the scene. He has brown eyes at one point. Oh. And they're watching a movie and the mom like makes contact with him and she gets shook. And she just is like, we're fine. We're fine. And then he gets, they're watching that cartoon and she's like, what's wrong, doc or whatever. And he just, they look, they make eye contact. She gets shook by his fucking eyes. So he goes into the bathroom, looks at himself in the mirror and closes his eyes and opens them. And they turn from brown to blue. That's right. I fucking I missed that. Okay. Yeah. So, when so that's comes the connection. Abra, yeah, her eyes are blue. But God. that's the connection because I looked at Megan. I'm like, why would he do that? And she's like, and then Megan, mm-hmm. of course, is genius. She's like, well, maybe because it looks like his dad's eyes, right? His dad's eyes mm-hmm. are brown. I'm like, oh, that makes more sense. It's not a parlor trick. Like he's like, boom, I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. Look at my trick. Yeah. Anyway. So so he wakes up in Abra's body, and That's I love it. He's life. like. Yeah. <laughs> Great he's like fuck i feel hung over it's like because she's all drugged up um I've and... Been hung over and i don't miss it not even a little bit you know like, <laughs> i like, loved it i was like good for you mm-hmm. dude like now you know bitch that's why you didn't drink that bottle god damn it mm-hmm. yeah you that god shot yep 
And so the uh, so the arrogance when you think you are gonna live forever. And I I said that that was kind of like this alcoholic mindset, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and immune, yeah, immune. So they have this conversation back and forth, and Danny says to Crow Daddy something to the effect of, "Oh, something about being arrogant, right?" Doesn't right. he use that word? And he's like, "Oh, um, the." Of course, somebody with your amount of arrogance wouldn't wear their seatbelt. Yeah, it stands to reason you wouldn't wear your seatbelt, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he shocks the fucking brakes on the car. Yeah. And I just, yeah. I just put crow flies and dies, and he just shoots out of the uh That's so funny, because I put the crow, crow daddy turns into the crypt keeper and dies. Because <laughs> it's just this yeah. theme, they all turn into the crypt keeper. Mm-hmm. And so, she's like, Rose is like, fuck, that's my man. Right. You know, like they're the together the longest, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now we're coming into the final act of the movie. Um, they drive to the Overlook Hotel. Rose pounds a bunch of steam. Um, you know, this is the this is the part of the movie where I really feel like the homage to all of the shining stuff was so well done and so yes. fucking cool. And like right. it didn't feel tacked on or cheesy. No, not at or- all forced it fit into the story in such a way that i i wasn't expecting at all Mm. and i was really happy like this Mm. i've finally for once a stephen king movie that i can fucking be satisfied with with entirely they cgi no one i loved it yeah they just got actors who were not even lookalikes just very similar i thought it was great i thought nobody was cgi'd i loved it it made me so happy Mm -hmm. and they Um, used the actors in the scenes of him having the flashbacks, you know, when when Jack Torrance mashes through the door and Wendy's standing with the knife in the same position, you know, when he's mashing through the yeah. door, they didn't use Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall from the original movie. They used an actress, you know what I mean? Yeah. The new actress. Anyway, go ahead. I, just, it was, I loved it. It was beautifully done, you know, because yeah. that's just how memories work, too. Like, not everything's perfect and, you know, just like you remember it from a movie. It's not like that. Mm-hmm. So he goes in and he turns on one of the first things Danny does is he turns on the furnace, the boiler room furnace, turns on all the fucking whatever, um, firing up the overlook, going back and dealing with childhood trauma is the way that I put it. That's what this whole thing is about is he's going to deal with the childhood trauma. He has all the flashbacks, you know, like you said, um, the ghosts are starting to sense him in the candlelight and yeah, all that shit, you know? And so this is like, and then my fav- one of my favorites, Danny sits at Lloyd's bar. He goes back to the bar. Well, that whole scene is phenomenal. That yeah, whole it's really scene. Good. Do you, and here's where they added, not I mean, to interject really quickly. Mm-hmm. The 30 extra minutes they added, a big portion of that scene is what bookends this bar scene with him and his father in the bathroom. And he's oh. doing the exact same scene from The Shining where he's wiping. Yeah. That wasn't in the theatrical release. They left that okay. part out. And I was like, how fucking dumb? Because this is like, this is gold right here. But anyway, so he sits at the bar with his with Lloyd, who's no longer Lloyd, and in no longer Lloyd. So it's actually the uh, it's the little kid from ET playing Jack Nicholson yes. from yes. The Shining, uh, yeah. which is awesome. Yes, and um, he's like, I'm just the bartender, like you know. And they're having this conversation, and Danny's telling him about his dad, and oh, this was my dad's great. drink. Great fucking scene, dude. And the whole yeah. thing is great. And um, he said I smelt one of your bottles once, and it smelled like something on fire, which. Which uh, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. But what a fucking line. You know, I'm like, God damn, dude. Um, 
And he says, just go ahead. And he's like basically encouraging him to have a drink of whiskey. And he's like, it'll yeah. cost me eight years. And he's like, it's a bona fide cure-all. The mind is a blackboard. And uh, this is the eraser. That's in my notes, too. What a great mm-hmm. line. It's your medicine. Which mm-hmm. also loops back into the Shining book, which Kubrick only puts one line into the movie once where he says, come take your medicine. But throughout the book, when Jack Torrance, the father, his dad is beating the fuck out of him. He's saying, come take your medicine, Jack. Come take your medicine. So when he has his break in the Overlook and decides to kill Wendy and Danny, he's chasing with this mallet. It's like a, not croquet, but whatever. It's a croquet mallet, we'll call it that. And he's saying, come take your medicine, you dog. You know, he's yelling that to his kid, repeating the behavior of his father. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And now Danny's repeating the, ba- it's the cycle of fucking alcoholism. Dude. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I love that he says, this is medicine. This is, this is taking- medicine. Yeah. And so there's all this great back and forth with them and um, something I just wrote, quote unquote, accept the things you cannot change. Right. I don't know he, why. Well, because that. that's from the serenity prayer. Yeah. It's, it's the inverse of it, almost like he has him in the bathroom once again, reminiscent of the exact same scene from The Shining when Lloyd, mm-hmm. the bartender, is helping Jack clean him off telling him this is what you need to do these people are in your fucking way and so he's telling him that now it's turned now he's taken the place of lloyd and he's telling his son you need to take care of this little girl because she's getting in your way of doing the shit you need to know just leave her in here and accept the things you cannot change that serenity mm-hmm. prayer like perverting that idea of right the serenity. like this is inevitable so you might as well just fucking let it happen and right it's the easiest okay. thing in the world just forget right. it Except for things it. you cannot change, you know? Yeah. So Rose is coming. She's coming to the Overlook. She sees the bloody elevator. Um, she's unafraid. She like smiles at it. She's mm-hmm. like, yeah, good trick, you know? like. And and she sees the typewriter room, the big room. Um, yeah. And then they meet on the stairs. And Danny's got the axe. And Abra's behind her. Same face-off flipped. Yeah. Exactly the, the same movie. face-off, right? And um, so kind of the evil and the good, the good and the evil have kind of switched. And... And um, so they they Rose goes into the hedge maze, gets shot into the hedge maze in Danny's mind, and he's trying to capture her in one of his boxes. And so they're running around, and the the Abra's in there, like slicing her legs up and all this stuff. And right. but she realizes soon enough that this is all just a trick, and so she is able to get out of it. <clears throat> and they get into this fucking fight on the stairs, like mm. like The Shining. And um, at one point. Does she Rose pins him down or like gets him in his femoral artery and she like she hits her... him with the back of the axe with the, right. the, the pick part of the axe used to crack down a door. She mm-hmm. hits him in the leg with it. Yeah. And she she gets a little bit of esteem from him and it's she like, says, you taste like whiskey. Delicious. Yeah, I know. She was so weird. <laughs> such a weird. Yeah. It was good, but it was kind of dirty, too. She was like, mm-hmm. oh, God. like she was like getting out, you know. Mm-hmm. There was there was some she was feeling sexual. That's how yes. it felt. There was a slight a sexual aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is a weird place to juxtapose sexuality, but it makes sense. But I'm mm-hmm. uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it's just again the addiction is feeding off the fear and pain. And so at this point, Danny finally takes all the ghosts that have been locked up in the boxes in his mm-hmm. head and he fucking lets them all out. It's got the great line. There's a great line there, too, where she what says, what what are in these boxes? Oh, they must be really fucking special to you because you haven't locked them boxes. And he says, they're not special. They're starving. And he lets mm-hmm. them all out. 
and he like spits it vehemently like with venom like <laughs> into her face you know and i was like Ooh, like i got little goosebumps like yeah you fucking that's a good line not like stick mm-hmm. around you know when schwarzenegger would throw a knife at someone sticking to a tree <laughs> let off some steam or dock or whatever like this was a great one-off line like yeah fucking starving you bit you should just say you mm-hmm. fucking bitch you know but i was like god great line good yeah. throw like spit it you know good acting oh. on his part great acting all all the way through come to yeah. play come to play with us and the twins um, oh yeah come play with us you know what they also i think the reason why there's twofold why his leg was injured one fold was his femoral artery he was slowly bleeding to death like it's one of those things that you, if you don't get it treated you will just slowly bleed to death that's one and two he had an injury to his leg right so he makes he lets all the things out of his head they eat Rose. They just fucking pull her up and eat her. They try to eat him, right? Don't they turn mm-hmm. on him at one point? Yeah. They do turn on him. They flip him. They flip him and make him evil to make right. him go and kill Abra because now they want her blood and her shiny. Mm-hmm. But they injure his leg to make him run like his dad ran in the first yep. movie. He's like limping because when Wendy hits him, he like falls down the stairs and fucks his leg up. And now he's doing the fucking run like, you know, like uh, Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. And I was exactly. like, that's, that's really right. fucking smart, you know. See, I didn't even know. T- I didn't even recognize that. Mm-hmm. That's how. That's how good this movie was written. I think. Right. Um. So he's chasing Abra. Um. What's great? Uh. I wrote what's What's great is that the re- the reoccurring characters and themes from The Shining didn't feel tacked on or forced. Yeah. Um. They seem natural. The ghosts don't change forever and ever and ever. Um, you know, the little girls like forever and ever and ever. And so, um, they go into this face off and it's Danny and it's Abra and she's able to stop the ax as it's coming down with her powers. Right. She says, and she's talking to the evil spirits inside of him and says something to the effect of, you don't know who you're you're standing. Yeah. You're standing, who you're standing in. You don't know who this guy is. Mm -hmm. And that the ghosts are kind of, again, the arrogance is like, yeah, whatever we've got him. It's fine. He can't do anything now. And it's like. No, he already set the things in motion before you ever touched him to right. blow up the entire hotel. Mm-hmm. And um, it's beautiful because it's like Danny fucking did what he was supposed to do, you know, be- right. even before knowing he walked in, basically walked into a fucking liquor store, you know, and was knowing that he was going to have to drink and die to save this person, right. you know. And that's just what he did. But he set the fucking liquor store on fire so right. it burn all the booze so it wouldn't hurt somebody else. It's it's kind of. it's okay. So in Kubrick's Shining, I think we talked about this during the Shining pod we did. But in Kubrick's Shining, the hotel stays intact. It, nothing happens mm-hmm. to it. They all right. leave. In King's Shining, his dad, in its self sacrifice, doesn't dump the boilers and lets them blow up the hotel. So what this guy did was he took Kubrick Shining in, in Dr. Sleep. He took Kubrick Shining, like changing the names of the, the hotel rooms and stuff and things like that. And um, he added King's Shining and he tacked it on. So we got King's Ending at the end of this. We got King's Ending of The Shining at the end of Dr. Sleep. Because nice. the Dr. Sleep book doesn't end this way. Because nice. Danny lives through Dr. Sleep in the book. Nice. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's kind of awesome. hard. It's, it's trying to explain a puzzle. I mean, I know you get it, but I hope I'm not being too obtuse or kind of weird or trying to like explain this weird puzzle. But basically, tack the ending on from a book onto him. It just was a great <laughs> yes. fucking homage. Basically, this act of self-sacrifice was an awesome homage. It was just good, and it needed to happen. 
Yes. Yeah. So it was a beautiful. I thought it was beautifully done. Um, and and somehow after all of this, like, so Abra's safe with her mom. I mean, they're okay. still gonna again. So here's the cycle happening where she's alone with her mom because yeah. of some maybe direct or even indirect cause of addiction. Oh, the loss of her the father. dad. The loss yeah. of her father. So we don't even like that's again that's happened. That's another theme that's happening. Yeah. At the end of this. Mm-hmm. Danny's spirit comes back and he says, you know, shine on Aberstone, shine on. You do it. Don't you, just you hide yourself, yeah. right? And so, so like that, I, I th- that didn't even feel corny to me. It was like it felt it's sincere. It's a corny ass line, but it did feel sincere. Yeah, you know, I it too. But I was like, that line's a little silly. That's a little like, bit. But whatever. I think. But, he wrote, yeah. But it's not like it was a super happy ending because all these good people died. You know, I mean, it right. was like Billy right. and Danny and this, so. What's the very that I can't remember the scene. Go ahead and explain it. The very oh, last. I was just just the very last scene. I mean, that's it. It just ends with her mom coming in and saying, "Who are you talking to?" And she says, "No one." Mm-hmm. And then and then at the very end, she says, "I'm sorry, mom. That was a lie. I was talking right. to Danny." And so basically, she's like, "I got to be myself. I right. got to share this with my mom. I don't want to hide it anymore." Powers. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because mm-hmm. if I hide it, no. It's basically her breaking the um the cycle and instead because danny would just hide it from his mom right his powers so she's sharing her powers with her mom she's breaking the cycle of keeping the secrets you know of the shining absolutely does she see at the end she goes into the bathroom and i can't remember so she does she goes into the bathroom to take care of uh nana tub nana (laughs) tub nana Nana the tub yeah she's just like I'm in here. Mm-hmm, basically, yeah. Like, so that's what she does. She's like, I'm gonna lock the door and fucking take care of take care of my demons. So, and that's the end. That's Doctor Sleep 2019 or 2020. 2019. 2019. Remember yeah. when 2019 was a bad year? Oh god. And now we're yeah. in 2020, and this year is mm-hmm. fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's super yeah. wild. But Doctor Sleep though, that was pretty dope. Yeah, it was a great movie. I highly great suggest movie. it. Loved it. Yeah. You should go see The Shining. You should read The Shining. You should read Doctor Sleep. You should watch Doctor Sleep. I think to fully it. understand everything from this new, it's still great on its own. You don't need to I see think, all the three yeah. of those, but it, yeah. it gives it more depth. So absolutely, yeah, I'd recommend all all of them, both all books and both movies. Yeah, if you like horror. <laughs> yes exactly if you're like a little triggered or don't like horror or things make you feel uncomfortable like don't maybe skip it right yeah and cool, don't man. watch once warriors either if you're if you're triggered because i'm telling you that movie's rugged i shouldn't even brought it up you're gonna make me watch it now <laughs> <laughs> well I, there's probably some other this is maybe we'll watch when a man loves a woman next or something oh like. geez yeah we should it would just be crying oh Clean and sober with fucking Michael Keaton. I started it. I have it. No, I lost it. I had it on another external and I lost it. But just, I'm like, this isn't Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, yeah. man. All right, man. I will. Uh, we'll pod. talk to you again. Yeah, it's Absolutely. good. This will probably be up for everybody in the next couple of days. I'll probably yeah. just try to put it up and out for anyone who wants to and listen. Because we. And all- I want to apologize for the sound quality. Yeah, I, I really do. I, I I don't know why GarageBand does this to me. I think I just. I just want to apologize. The next one up, we'll figure out. I'm going to figure out a new way to record this. Cool. All right, Jerry. All right, John. Thanks, man. Thanks again for listening. Our music, as always, is by Neglect. You can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com. 
And you can find us on all social media platforms that matter, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us at aisforalcoholic at gmail.com. Talk to you later. Yeah.